Well, um, it's great to be with you and great if you're joining us online. Um, we're going to be looking at this story um, of Isaac. Um, I don't know what you were like when you were a child. I used to absolutely love stories being read to me. And uh, of course, when you're a, a child, you don't quite know what's going to happen next and you really feel the tension, don't you, of the story. I, I remember uh, reading the BFG. I don't know if you read that story by Roald Dahl. Um, but in that story, um, there's a little boy and uh, he notices that someone is going down the street and it's this huge giant. And the giant spots him looking out the window and reaches out his hand and grabs the child. Now, of course, when you're a child, you don't know that BFG stands for Big Friendly Giant at the beginning, do you? Uh, and so you think, is this child going to be crushed? Is this child going to be eaten by this giant? You feel the tension. Now, in the Bible, when we read it, so often we forget that the characters in the story, they don't know what's going to happen next, just like we don't know what's going to happen next in our lives. We don't know what's going to happen in a week. Um, lots changes, particularly at the moment, doesn't it? In the space of a week, we don't know what's going to happen in a month or a year. We've no idea. But because we can get familiar with the story, we, um, like adults, like me watching the BFG during lockdown, I know as the BFG grabs the child, it's going to be all right. I can just put my feet up, eat my popcorn, I'm fine. And so as we look at this story this morning, I want us to feel the tension of Isaac and his family, the stress, the pressure that they are under, because it will help us when we face those things to know what God that God is faithful to us. So shall we pray? And then uh, we're going to enjoy getting into this story together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your words, uh, the Bible, and we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that we would uh, immerse ourselves in your story and see you, that you'd reveal yourself as the God who is with us, that cares for us, and that gives us amazing promises that we can hold on to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, if you didn't listen to the talk that Tom gave last week, I really encourage you to do that because he gave us a really great outline of, of the, the story of God, particularly with this family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, but just to briefly recap, you may remember uh, back in Genesis 12, the, uh, the same book as we're looking at today, uh, that God gave promises to Abraham. He promised to bless him. Uh, that his descendants would become as numerous as the stars in the sky, which was an outrageous promise considering Abraham was 80 and uh, you don't normally have children aged 80 and he had none at that time. And he promised that he'd give him a land, which he didn't have at that time, and that the whole world would be blessed through him and his family. Incredible promises. And as we read this story here, Isaac, who, who, to be honest, doesn't appear much in Genesis. There's two main parts uh, where he shows up here and a bit later when he blesses um, uh, Jacob and Esau, his sons. Um, he very much stands uh, under the, the shadow of his father, Abraham. And, and in this story, we find that he fa he face, Isaac faces all kinds of, of obstacles, um, and the question I want to ask this morning is, can anything stop God's promises? Can anything stop God's promises being fulfilled for Isaac and for you and for me? He faces trials and he faces temptations. 
Uh, firstly, he faces trials. Um, Isaac, I don't know if you remember back last week, if you were watching or you were here, um, his father Abraham dies. And if it's anything to go by, by how he took that when his mother died, he would have, it would have hit him like a ton of bricks. It would have been immensely hard for Isaac. And he must have wondered, I, I know that the promises are for Abraham, but he was an incredible figure. I, I'm just me. They're probably not for me. Maybe the promises end here. Maybe we can feel like that as well. Maybe the promises are for someone else, but not for me. Um, to add to that, verse 1, it says um, that there was a famine, in a similar one to the one that was in the time of Abraham. Um, a famine is not what we've recently faced. Do you remember going to the store and you couldn't find flour or eggs or baking powder or various, or your favorite jam, if you were me? That's not a famine. A famine is the shelves are totally and utterly empty. There is nothing. And he must have wondered, if this famine is, it could kill my family. And so will God's promises end? Because after all, God's promises are for this family. And if the family's wiped out, the promises end. And then to add to that, if that's not enough, he moves house. Now let me tell you, I don't recommend you moving house in a national crisis. It is not fun. It is stressful. And yet he does that. So he's had the death of his father, he's got a famine, and he moves house. They're some of the most stressful things that you can possibly, can all happen at the same time. And isn't God good? Because what happens? Verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac. And I don't know about you, that's what we need, is we need a revelation of who God is and him speaking to us. That's why I always pray that at the beginning when I speak. And this is what God says. He says, do not go down to Egypt... Verse 2, live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you. I will bless you for to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Through your offspring all the nations will be blessed. So these are the promises that were given to Abraham, reiterated to Isaac. In other words, God is saying to Isaac, yes, those promises were for Abraham, but they are for you as well. These promises are not just for the great men of faith, but for the timid, for the struggling, for the hit and miss in terms of their faith, people like me, perhaps like you. Now, one of these great promises that God gives us that we can easily skip over is that God promises to bless Isaac. Now, when I say bless you, it's normally because you've just sneezed and I'm worried I'm going to catch a cold or worse, right? But bless is a much better word in the Bible. According to Bruce Waltke, he says this, blessing means to be filled with the potency of life that overcomes defeat and death. Now, when you're facing famine and trial and struggle and potential death, for God to say, I'm going to fill you with the potency of life that overcomes defeat and death is an amazing promise, right? An incredible promise. Now, Isaac has a, a decision to make here because it's very tempting for him to follow in the footsteps of his father. And when there's a famine, which happened in Genesis 12, you can read about it in verse 10, he makes the, Abraham makes the decision to go to the land of Egypt. And God tells Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. 
live in the land where I tell you. And we read in verse 6 that that's exactly what he does. So Isaac stayed in Gerah. Now, Egypt represents and would have been for Isaac the land of plenty, uh, where the famine wouldn't have affected it in the same way as a place like Gerah or where he was staying. It would have been hugely tempting, wouldn't it, to go there. It would have been the practical decision to make for his family. And yet, he makes the decision not to because he hears God and says, because God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to fill you with the potency of life so you overcome defeat and death. You're going to be okay. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to look after you. And instead of doing what seems like the practical thing to do, he holds on to God's promise and obeys God. He trusts him. When I was in my early 20s, I went to Las Vegas, not for the reason that most people in their early 20s go to Las Vegas, I should add. I was with Youth with a Mission for, uh, for a little while. And I remember going to the airport. My parents dropped me off. And my mum, bless her, was uh, concerned about me going because the second half of the trip, you go on a mission trip to another country and who knows where that will be. And Youth with a Mission, um, they don't necessarily go stop themselves from going to countries that are, are, are less safe let's put it that way and my mum I remember her saying really clearly she said Mark not overly excited about you going to Las Vegas or anywhere else that you might go on after that but the safest place for you is in the will of God the safest place for you is in the will of God Warren Wiersbe says, the safest place in the world is in the will of God, for the will of God will never lead us where his grace can't provide for us. And that's what Isaac trusts. And that's what we can trust, that this God will provide for us in the place that maybe feels impracticable where God leads us to. He trusts and obeys. And my prayer for all of us is that we, as we read this story, encounter this God and go, yes, he's trustworthy. Yes, I will trust him because I know that he will take care of me. Well, we'll have to find out, we'll have to wait a little bit until we find out whether God's promises are prevented from being fulfilled when trials happen. But the second thing that Isaac faces is temptation. You see, Isaac has, you may remember, a huge problem. He has a beautiful wife. I know, it must have been hard for him. He, uh, he goes to uh, Gera and he thinks to himself, oh no, I've got a beautiful wife. What if the men in Gera, they're called the Philistines, which incidentally are different Philistines to the ones that David encounters when he fights Goliath. Uh, he, he, he meets these guys and he thinks, what if they... Th- think she's such a beautiful wife I'll kill Isaac and then I'll take his wife and so he goes I know what I'll do I've just thought light bulb moment I've got a great idea I'll say she's my sister because that will solve everything won't it I don't know what he thinks will happen when someone sees his beautiful wife and goes yeah I quite like her Um, any problems, Isaac? No, 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 she's my sister. It's absolutely fine. You go on ahead. How on earth Rebecca felt about this? I have no idea. But that's his strategy. It's very easy, isn't it, to try and manoeuvre our way through life without consulting God and without trusting him and obeying him. And every generation faces 
the same trials, the same tests, the same temptations. Abraham faced the same thing, and what does he do? Twice he says exactly the same thing. He says, she's my sister, about his wife Sarah, when he comes into Egypt and when he comes into Gerah. It's amazing what kids pick up, isn't it? Scary, actually. And actually means that we need to be very careful what we pass on to the next generation. But this is the thing I want to ask you. Does Isaac need to lie? Does he need to lie? No, of course not. Because what has God promised Isaac? He's promised that through his family that he'll have children and they will be a blessing to the entire world. Now, it seems to me that he doesn't have children at this stage and that this is a flashback from, um, which happened before last week's episode uh, from Genesis 25 uh, where Isaac's children... Um, uh, Esau and Jacob are are arguing over the the birthright. Um, And the reason is for this, because if you come into a new place um, with uh, with children, even perhaps older children, at some point, uh, and you say, oh, this person's my sister, and she's really your wife, at some point your kids are going to say, dad, mum, and the game is going to be given away. And it says in the text that he kept up this lie for a long time. I think that he hadn't got kids yet. And if that's the case, he could have known if he'd remembered the promises that God was going to give him kids. And so no one is going to be able to kill him or his wife. But instead, whether he forgets the promises or whether he just doesn't trust God in this area, he decides to go his own way and say, she's my sister. Now you might ask the question, why didn't he trust God in this circumstance? I mean, didn't he just show astounding faith by not going to Egypt at the risk of him and his family's life and staying there? Why did he trust that God would protect him and provide for him in that scenario? But when it comes to him protecting his own skin from the Philistines, he doesn't trust God. Why is that? Well, isn't that very true to life? I mean, I don't know what you're like, but uh, I know that I trust God with some things and I don't trust God with other things. I have this um, unconscious, probably, list where I say, God, these things I trust you with, but these things I don't. Uh, Maybe, uh, like the list that you can see on the screen, uh, you have a list too. Maybe it's unconscious. And if you're at home, you could get a piece of paper and, and draw up your own list. The things that you trust God with, maybe it's your family or school or friendships or finances. And, or maybe those things you find it really hard to trust God with. And then on the other side, right, things that I don't trust with God with. And don't worry, you're not giving God new information. He already knows. But it's helpful just to go, okay, these are the things where I really struggle to trust God. Maybe work. Uh, maybe COVID-19 right now, maybe a difficult situation, and it's hard to trust God with those things. And then to put the piece of paper down and say, God, I want to learn to trust you with everything, not just some things, but absolutely everything. So hard, isn't it, in life? Sometimes we trust God, sometimes we don't. But God doesn't want us to, pr- uh, to, to practice selective obedience. You know, like children, selective hearing. Uh, would you like an ice cream? Hear it immediately. Can you help me with the dishes? Don't necessarily hear that one. We can selectively obey God. And yet there is no reason not to trust him with everything. Uh, what happens for Isaac? 
uh, verse 11. Uh, I'll read it in a moment. But what did God promise? God promised to protect him. What happens? Verse 11. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who harms this man or his wife shall be put to death. In other words, God worked through this pagan king and ensured that that Isaac and his wife Rebekah would be totally protected. Amazing, right? A pagan king. God is fully able, no matter what the situation is, to fulfill his promises to us. What about another promise? What else did God promise? God promised to bless him. Remember, blessing is giving the potency of life to overcome defeat and death. What happens? Verse 12, Isaac planted crops in the land. Now remember, there's a famine. Okay, there's a famine. That means that it's not easy to plant crops and get a harvest. What happens? Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow. So during a famine, even a massive trial like a famine, it doesn't stop God's promises being fulfilled. COVID-19 is not the end of God's promises. Whatever we face in the next week, the next month, the next year, God's promises will be fulfilled. Nothing can thwart his purpose. Now let me just quick sidebar this isn't the prosperity gospel. Uh, this isn't saying, you know, trust God and you'll get loads of money, a nice big car, big house, whatever else it is you want. The point here is this, that God made promises to Isaac and he fulfilled them, even though there were all kinds of things in the way. In the New Testament, uh, these, these blessings these are, are translated not so much into material blessings, which they were in the Old Testament, but into spiritual blessings. So potency of life, overcoming defeat and death is very much true for us. What does God promise us? Abundant life, resurrection life. Life that means that, yes, we'll face death, but we'll overcome death because Jesus has died and paid the penalty for our sins and risen from the dead and conquered death. He's promised us intimacy with God, protection from the enemy, the devil. He's promised us that he will give us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And if you want to find out what some of those spiritual blessings are, read Ephesians 1. Forgiveness, the Holy Spirit living inside us. Amazing promises for us. And so, we can experience those promises for ourselves today. They weren't just for the New Testament times, they're for now. And that means that we can trust God with everything. And we can obey God with everything. Not just selectively, not just the things that are easy for us, but the things that are hard as well. Now the story uh, continues and we see that um, Isaac faces more trials and uh, if you come on Wednesday or watch online I'll talk about some of the opposition that he faces but in the end, spoiler for those of you who are coming on Wednesday, he overcomes because God blesses him and at the end God appears to him again. Um, It seems that God didn't appear to him in between times as far as the narrative doesn't tell us that he did. And that's the case, isn't it? So often we're walking by faith and not by sight and we don't necessarily experience God in in a really significant big way for a while. But Isaac gets this uh, voice from God and he hears God saying this, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. 
And maybe some of us, as we face obstacles in life, trials, perhaps temptations, we need to hear that. Do not be afraid. I am with you. It might be that um, you're going through some things that are really challenging right now. And God just wants to reassure you, I am with you. Trust me. Obey me, even when it's hard, even when it's painful, even when it's difficult. Well, you might think, well, that's great, Mark. It's an inspiring story. But do you know what? I, I'm so hit and miss in my faith. I, I sometimes trust God, but sometimes I don't. I don't know whether um, the promises are for me. Well, isn't that the same for Isaac? It's certainly the same for me. But you know, there was someone else, someone else who lived a life where they faced trial and temptation and always overcame. At Jesus in the desert, what happens? Uh, he's tempted by the devil. He's hungry because he's been fasting. And the devil says, come and turn this stone into bread. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to trust the promises of God. I'm going to trust the word of God and I'm going to obey God. And he did that through all his life. Isaac, when he was tempted, what did he say? Uh, he, he said, I was afraid that you would kill me on account of my wife. That's what he says to Abimelech. What does Jesus say? He faced death and he says, I will give up my life on account of you. Because I love you so much. And because I'm so committed to fulfilling every single promise for you. He gave up his life, paying for our sin, rising again so that we too, when we take hold of him and his promises, we too can experience that potency of life, that overcoming, that overcoming defeat and death that he wants to give us. And so what does Isaac do in the end? He builds, verse 25, Isaac built an altar and there he called on the name of the Lord. And really for us, there is no other appropriate response than to worship this great God who keeps his promises, whose every promise in Jesus is yes and amen, and to call on his name and worship. So should we do that as we pray, if you're at home or if you're here, why don't you bow your heads and, um, and however you feel comfortable, let's just take a moment to worship him quietly in our hearts, and then I'll pray. Oh, Father God, we worship you. We thank you that even though we get ourselves in such a mess sometimes with our own sin, uh, with a going off your path, you still are so committed to us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die in our place. Thank you so much that you, just, you want us to experience your promises fulfilled, your good blessings. And we pray that for each one of us that we would experience that potency of life to overcome defeat and death and that we would trust you and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.